the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. When it comes to your investments and retirement, in this economy, it's important to be smart. And with the Smart Investor Hour heard right here on AM 1420 The Answer, you'll get both smart and intelligent information you'll need to help with your investing. So sit back, listen, and learn with your host of the Smart Investor Hour, Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Good afternoon, everybody. Uh, cold, you know, wet day in uh, October. So uh, let's start off thinking positive. <laughs> Hope is knowing, no matter what, that there is a light. Hope is being able to see that there is a light despite all the darkness. That was Desmond Tutu, who might know a thing or two about that. Hope is what makes today's dreams important. Learn from yesterday, live for today, hope for tomorrow. Albert Einstein. Hope is stronger than any minor setbacks. Don't let today's disappointment cast a shadow on tomorrow's dreams. I can't remember who said that. Then finally, the secret to having it all is believing you already do. <laughs> okay. Hey, we always talk about our, uh, you know, the show here, um, that it's, it's, you can get a podcast. So if you're just hearing part of it and you want to hear the whole thing, Go to WHK 1420's webpage. Go to local podcast down to Smart Investor Show and Tim Hayes. And uh, you can hear all our uh, podcasts in the past. And you can say, hey, the guy's full of it or he's, <laughs> he knows what he's talking about, uh, which is, you know, it keeps you on the ball. All right. Uh, now, if you go to the webpage, go to uh, there's a couple things that you want to take a look at. Number one is the uh, trend and cycle under bulletin board. That's. That's our good friend Rob Schleimer's work. Uh, it's, it's very good technical work. He's one of the best on the planet. But you can also go to uh, contact me or email me and go to uh, uh, the pro, you know get the prime income list, the dividend growth list. Uh, these are all important, and I'm going to explain why they're all important in about five minutes. Uh, the ADR list, we're starting to see some uh, good action out of some of the uh, European stocks. We get our small cap list and our large cap, our top ideas. And you know what nobody's talking about still is oil. Our our best ideas in oil. And nobody's talking about it, which I think is fantastic. That's just what you want. Uh, also, if if you know if you're a young professional, uh, we have money matters for young professionals. It's a great way to get yourself incorporated into the into the world. Uh, Women and wealth, a planning guide, which I think is fantastic. Also, uh, what's the metaverse? That's the question of the week. <laughs> I'm not sure any, anybody just knows. But, and don't forget the Savvy Investor's Credit Workbook. You know, if you can lock in a low rate, uh, I just find it interesting that corporations are putting out debt faster than any time in the history of the United States. Why? Because interest rates are low. What about your balance sheet? There we go. Okay, so, uh, you know, th- by the way, this is a live show. If you've got a question, call it 216-901-0945. That's 216-901-0945. You know, and uh, people always talk about October. And, and Mark Twain always said, you know, you have to be care- careful of the stock market in October. And you also might want to be careful in 
November, December, January, February, March, April, May, June, July, and August, and September. Uh, it's a great way of uh, putting things. Anyway, it's it's an interesting time. Remember, let's drift back. Lori Calvacina and uh, Tom Lee, you know, Lori's from RBC, and Tom's from Funstrat, both very highly qualified uh, strategists. We're talking three weeks ago, four weeks ago, that the bullish, uh, well, the people who were bullish in the American Association of Individual Investors dropped like a brick. Went from almost 40 down to 21. And they were saying, that's a, that's a big, that's a buy signal, you know? And then Tom Lee was, he was a little early. He was talking about the everything rally. Well, we've kind of had that. All right. And so let's, let's see. Let's, I think the important thing, and, and, and Lori Calcivina in her strategy spotlight this week, she talks about optimism continues to build among individual investors, but also institutional investors' positioning has stabilized. They weren't selling, you know, selling, selling, selling. So that's important. Now, uh, you know, we went from a bearish situation to a bullish situation. So that's a little bit of a, that's a nick <laughs> on the bullish scenario because, you know, on a contrary opinion, when everybody's bearish is the best time to be bullish. Trust me on that one. And so I think the improvement in individual investor sentiment has uh, occurred against the backdrop of what has been a deterioration in institutional investor sentiment. And I'm going to talk why I think in a second here. Uh, the reporting season stayed good enough. There were some people, I mean, Starbucks uh, took it on the cuff. Uh, they saw some inflation things, uh, Western Digital, which I think has great potential on the upside personally. But um, I mean, they beat the estimates. They met revenue, uh, but they, you know, they didn't have wonderful things to say about the future. So, uh, you know, there we go. Um, now, uh, one of the things we noticed in the stats last week uh, was that the re reporting season has been good enough. The stock market is heading in the right direction, you know, and Lori was saying that we had a buy signal, uh, you know, based on that. But she said with the with the S&P 500 rallying back uh, above, you know, you know, we're at 4,500 for the year end. We're there now, uh, but remaining comfortably below our year end 2020 estimate of 4,900. You know, she finds herself more neutral on stocks uh, through the year end and then probably gets positive, uh, you know, uh, from there. OK. Now, uh, one of the things I did notice is that there's uh, flu voxamine, which is an antipresent and has reduced COVID uh, 19 hospitalizations and the drug's already approved. So that's a, that's a positive. So we, now we have Merck's drug and we have, uh, uh, you know, so we're, we're seeing good things on the front. Now, small caps, you know, they're in this consolidation and it's almost an 11 months consolidation. Now they roared out of that, the bottom, uh, in 2020 and now it's just gone sideways. Now I call this thing a pincer. I, I, I believe our friend Tom Lee also commented on that uh, last week. And so what happens is they drop real fast and then they take off. So it'll be interesting to see. One of the things that is really interesting is biotechs for the last rolling five-year period are, are, are negative for, uh, by 11%. And it's the first time in the history of the biotech sector that that's occurred. So money's been flowing out of there. As a contrary opinion, that you know, that may be something to take a look at. Uh, you know, biotechs are all or nothing. So you got to be, it's your, it's your Vegas money. Okay. Um, 
the market is now pricing in an aggressive path of expected Fed normalizations in the coming year. And I, I think uh, the core of the FOC meeting this week, it leans more dovish than the median dot, which is, you know, it, it distances the Fed from market expectations. Uh, part of the reason uh, why we did not project the Fed liftoff until probably early 2023. So that, that's, that's really interesting. You know, and I think uh, the supply chain thing, you know, the port of LA, you know, they got all these rules on trucks. Now, you know, you have to meet their trucks can't come into LA if they don't meet their standards, they can't come into the port. So they're holding, I mean, they're holding the whole place up. Um, <laughs> You know, California is a different world out there. Uh, so we'll just leave it at that. Now, some other things we're noticing uh, is uh, uh, that we have some inflationary pressures, and they've kind of mutated into a persistent force at this point. So the question is, uh, are they transitory? And I think the Fed's starting to sweat that one out a little bit. Uh, so inflation may be driving inflated interest rate expectations. Now, we'll see what happens. I did notice this week, which is kind of interesting, you know, that the yield curve started to flatten a little bit. And that's usually saying things are slowing down. And, uh, you know, look, I would suggest this. If you have a fixed income portfolio, you better know what you're doing right about now. You better either have the ladder strategy or a barbell strategy. Now, ladder strategy, which is most commonly used portfolio structure, spreads the, the maturities evenly, uh, creating a, a predictable ca- coupon cash flow. And you always have money coming due, and you always have money being, you know, working. A barbell strategy is just that. It mimics the barbell weight, you know, hence the name. The strategy involves simultaneous purchases of similar amounts of investment securities on both the short and the long end of the yield curve. Uh, look, interest rates are impossible to predict. You know, there's this joke about Greenspan going to heaven and, you know, all that good stuff. Uh, and and they're, they're, they're possible to predict. So it's something to think about. Now, look, uh, a couple things uh, I am seeing. You know, you, you get, well, you know, Tom Porcelli, our head, our head economist, talked this week about the labor differential is in all its glory. And the, the key takeaway from the, the report is that the key measure of the labor backdrop just made a fresh post-pandemic high. And actually, it's the second highest reading uh, on record, which is amazing. The labor differential, which is the difference between underlying confidence measures of jobs plentiful and jobs hard to get, had already been very elevated. The fact is that it was able to push even higher is a real testament to the strength of the labor backdrop, okay? So, you know, the labor differential and the unemployment rate have a strong negative correlation. Uh, as, you know, and Tom talked about this last month. He said, we can see a scenario coming where the U rate may actually rise off the back of a little burst of people entering the workforce. Just a, just a burst, okay, which is, you know, kind of an interesting thought process when you think about it. Um, you know, um, I was looking at the technicals, and 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 so this this is this is Tim Hayes's comment, but the technicals are improving for the small caps, and they keep going sideways and sideways. And you know they did this in 2017. Rob Schleimer points this out in in his uh, weekly thing, and when it popped, it was an 18 percent move. Now an 18 percent move in small caps means a lot of small caps are moving 40, 50 percent. But look, the BP 
the b- bullish percent is in a column of X's right now. It's around 58. You know, the small stocks and the world stocks have not. So if, if, we're gonna, if this is for real, you know, and what they say is go away in May and come back after All Souls Day, which happens to be tomorrow. All right. Happy Halloween, everybody. Uh, will the BP for the small caps and the world index turn up? I'm not sure, but I think it's a high probability of an upside breakout, in my opinion. But we do have a flattening yield curve. So it's something that you have to think about and you have to start to pay uh, very close attention to, I think. Uh, you know, it's one of those things that, uh, you know, it's out there. So you got to pay attention. Let's just put it that way. You know, look, we had a strong October rebound. I mean, I think Tom Lee and Lori, uh, Laura Calvacina, I'll get her name right eventually, are have been dead right. They were talking about an everything rally. But what led was the Dow and the S&P. And by the way, it was the the smaller stocks in the S&P, the bottom 200, that really uh, led, which was very interesting. So the advanced decline line picked up a little bit. But what we really need is... Uh, you know, look, if you look at the daily momentum in the S&P, it's, it's overbought. So I think we can have a pullback. Then what we need is to have the small caps uh, push through because uh, we have this beautiful sideways pattern, which is what they call a base in my business. And if, if we were to break through uh, the Russell 2000 small cap index, you know, uh, it, it's right up at resistance that pulled back. Now it's going to break through. And if it does, uh, you know, I think it's 2310. If it breaks 2310, I think it's off to the races for a while, and that's a good thing. Now, if we look at the 10-year yields, they show early signs of pausing near the upper end of their 2021 trading range. So they got up to to 170, and they stopped right there and pulled back. Uh, So it'll be interesting to see if if it gets through that 170 mark. Uh, we probably got some problems on our hands due to the interest rate market, but uh, we'll see. The one thing I, I want to highlight is the Euro-Yen rally uh, back to resistance. Uh, I highlight that because the Euro-Yen currency pair is a way to monitor global investors' optimism and pessimism. Okay, So after rebounding strongly in October, assigned investors are bullish. Euro-Yen has rallied toward a resistance level near the, the 133, 134 mark, and it's beginning to pause. Bottom line, similar to our outlook for stock markets, we view this as a pause to be a short-term healthy pause and resistance. So we might be in a situation where we have a positive outcome on the world index, all right? So that's something you have to uh, pay particular attention to. So look, I, I just think, uh, you know, we've, we've had a nice rebound here. Uh, we kind of said that was going to happen. Tom Lee said it was happening. RBC said it was going to happen. Now we enter the six months of the most positive time of the year. Now, it doesn't always have to be positive. <laughs> right? uh, we, you know, a couple of years ago in 2015 and 16, January was look out below. Okay. February is worse. So, but, you know, the probabilities are there that we're going into a great time. Now, I think you've got to watch the yield curve. I think you've got to watch the bullish percent. So if the bullish percent turns down and the over-the-counter index and the world index don't turn, you know, don't turn up or they turn down also, we could be in, in for uh, some problems. But as of now, things are getting more positive, right? Uh, so 
what's interesting, uh, I think, as uh, um, I'm starting to see deals again, uh, the SPAC market, which was dead as a doornail, believe me, I, I look at probably 400 SPACs a day, you know, uh, and, and there's lots of them that are just going sideways. Suddenly, they're picking up again. All right. You know, we had uh, the Don Trump uh, SPAC, which went crazy on the upside. Uh, you know, we've, we've had a couple others that have got, gone up and they pull back now. OK, uh, so, you know, you've you got to be careful where you're buying things. You know, if you're consumer staples, they're great dividends. And that's the you know, that's the other thing you want to talk about here, I think, is, uh, you know, when we talk about dividends, uh, you know, the dividend scenario is such that uh, we are two standard deviations below where uh you know we're supposed to be okay uh, on on the uh on the dividend side so uh the dividend group which had outperformed for a long long time uh and and still still is by the way the dividend growers uh and if you look at it versus the the dividend no growth or the s&p 500 total return the dividend growers are far outpacing everything but if you look also at the relative forward PE evaluation, the dividend aristocrats versus the S&P 500, we are now two standard deviations below where we normally are. We were two and a half. We were two and a half just, uh, you know, a month ago. So if there's one area that I don't think you're going to get hurt in right at the moment, it's the dividend growth portfolio. Uh, also, the prime income list, there's some on there that have dividend growth that you got to pick out, which that's what I do. <laughs> Uh, but it's a great way to to go. And if you want it, you know, just go to WHK1420, local podcast down to Tim Hayes, hit the contact me or email me, and we'll give you our Denver growth list or prime income list. Or if you ever want to have a cup of coffee, talk to me. My phone number's there. Or just email me. Uh, we're going to take a break. We'll be right back. This is the Smart Investor Show. I'm Tim Hayes. Stay tuned. Okay, we're back. Uh, just tuned in. This is Smart Investor Show. I'm Tim Hayes. And, uh, you know, we, we have some interesting things going on. Well, here's some interesting facts, right? The median price of an existing home in June hit an all-time high. That's $363,300, up 23% over a year. It's the biggest move in housing prices since 2003 and four, and uh, one of the highest all, all time. Also, uh, 2.5 billion metric tons of food is wasted around the world. Uh, farms, you know, are the biggest problem. They have they lose about 1.5 metric tons. Uh, there's another 931 million metric tons wasted by retailers and consumers. So that's a lot. And then the Wharton School uh, of the University of Pennsylvania said that 52% of its new fall cohort will be female, marking the highest percentage of women enrolled in its 140-year history. So, ladies, good for you. Um, so, uh, you know, look, I, I got I got an email just here in the last second uh, from Mark, and Mark wants to know, uh, Tim, what's your favorite uh, <laughs> uh, Fang stock? And I, I don't have a favorite Fang stock. I, I think there's uh, several of them that you know. I, I mean, I I would suggest that you know uh, <laughs> Metaverse which is now Facebook and 
and Amazon uh, kind of have been beaten up a little bit. So if you if buy stocks low, that that you know those would be the ones I'd be looking at. I, I think Amazon's going to be fine in the long run. I think Facebook will be too. Uh, but as far as technically, I think you got to look at uh, you know uh, Google, Microsoft, and Netflix. They're all breaking out the new highs. But you know that, that's a tough thing to tell anybody to buy. You know when things are at new highs. I own Microsoft at twenty three. I own some at thirteen. <laughs> So I uh, I haven't bought any more lately, and I'm I'm not recommending any of these stocks simply because you know it, it's tough to say hey buy things uh, you know exclusively. I, I I'm not a big fan of that type of thing. So um, now one of the I think it, I look at some indicators, and and uh, I was looking you know Rob Schleimer does a great job of identifying opportunities, and so I take it to the next step, and and you know. <laughs> uh, Reten- uh, retentively, shall we say, go over things to the, to the point of, you know, whatever. Look, the best ETF I can see right now is, is we, you know, I look at uh, crossovers. And so, you know, I have the 50-day and the 200-day crossing over, or the 200-day, uh, yeah, the 50-day crossing over the 200-day on the IWM. That's small caps again, okay? And I have uh, also... Uh, you know, the percent above the moving average is starting to turn up again and all the stuff I look for. So, you know, it's been in a, the IWM has been in a consolidation now for most of 2021. And we're right at the 50-day moving average or the 200-day moving average, I'm sorry. And the 50-day is starting to cross it. So it wasn't the five-day, by the way. So uh, some positive things going on there. So I think, you know, it's, uh, look, it could be, and and this is something that I, I think you got to pay attention to. Uh, you know, one of the uh, one of the things that we're, we've talked about is the uh, financial group, and the financial group uh, looks you know it's broken out now, and looks like we're, we're starting to see some uh, indicators that you wouldn't understand unless you you know I sat down and showed them to you, but they're starting to turn up for the, the whole group. So. Uh, I'm also seeing it for some of the European stocks, which I think uh, is fascinating because of, of what we talked about of the euro yen relationship. And then, uh, well, I've, I've got a whole bunch of names that I really like, uh, you know, and, and, and I, I also noticed that gold broke 1800, which turns into a column of X's this week uh, on Dorsey Wright system. And I'm seeing the energy st- stocks that should pull back a little bit. Uh, you know, and turn around, but we need to break. Uh, I think it's well on GLD. I think you have to break uh, like seventeen twenty for it to turn uh, on on the gold continuous. It broke eighteen hundred, which is very positive. So we're starting to see some things that uh, are pretty, I think, positive in my way of thinking. Uh, now, you know, Carl Swenlin, who's who's a real smart guy, uh, he does decision point. You know, he was talking about um, we had the golden cross for the SPX and and uh, the silver cross, and so he he's talking about you know could there be a melt up? And I don't know. I mean, I'm not that good, um, but I would say that uh, you know there's opportunity out there uh, across the board, and uh, that's that's what I think is the uh, the real important thing. And, you know, one of the indicators I look at is the RSI, the relative strength index. 
and I'm starting to see some of the, like the Mimi stocks come back. And, um, um, you know, uh, <laughs> uh, look, you know, there's all sorts of names like in the transport index that have been beaten up and they've turned around. Uh, you know, we, we had, uh, our friends over, you know, Tesla just take off after earnings. And I, you know, I own Tesla and I don't own enough of it, but, uh, you know, it, it, we're, we're seeing more and more, uh, things like that, uh, turn up. And so it, I have a feeling that what we're going to see is, is, uh, you know, a, a positive, positive scenario. And, Look, the I've been talking for some time, and this is starting to go, okay? I've been talking, when's the best time to buy stocks when they're down? Well, the green stocks, you know, whether they're hydrogen, uh, whatever, they've been, they got killed. And I said, buy them, all right? Uh, you know, it's funny. Uh, not a lot of my clients bought them, and I, I talked about them. But, I, you know, I, I got a lot of the names that I like, and I think the whole sector is ready to take off again. So it's something that, uh, you know, I just, I highlight. And uh, now, um, w- one of the things, <laughs> if I can find my uh, my way through here, uh, here's one of the things uh, I, I think you're going to see in the fourth quarter, the breath partici- participation broaden. Okay. So that's why I keep talking about the small caps. The small caps are looking kind of interesting. Now, the other thing is we have a flattening of the yield curve. So we, we want the yield curve to kind of stay where it is. We don't want it to go up. We don't want it to go down, you know, that type of thing. And I did see some of the larger tech stocks, which are, they're up a lot. A lot of people are, are starting to poo-poo them. And I, I think that's a bad idea over the long run. But, um, you know, if you look at the, the stock market versus the bond market, the S&P 500 versus the TLT, a bond ETF, you know, it's, we're still, stocks are still the place to be, all right? And the advanced decline lines are starting to turn up. So if that occurs, we could be in good good shape. Now, if I look at the uh, the indexes and I look at you know uh, whether they're overbought or oversold, uh, you know the daily is starting to turn up on the S and P 500, and it's it's just at zero, so it's not overbought by any stretch of the man- imagination. And the Russell, you know, I mean, it's been down, you know. It's bottoming. If it turns up, I think you know that's that's the place to be. Uh, and if I look, this is the important part. I think if I look at the relative performance versus the S and P 500, it's broken the downtrend line. So it's starting to become a key. You know, people are starting to pay attention. Now, I also think you know, uh, on on the cautious side, the bullish percents up there, but the small caps have not turned up into a column of X's yet. All right, we're going to discuss that in the next part of the show. And the other thing is the bearish sentiment uh, has come back down and the bullish sentiment has gone back up. Now, what we've seen gross versus value is they've been kind of even steven since the beginning of uh, uh, May. And so uh, in small caps, actually, it's been better to be in value. So, uh, and, I, and I think that's because of the regional banks. They've been really highlighting where we're going. Okay. So that's, that's an interesting uh, thought process, too. Uh, the dollar looks overbought and is right at major, resi- you know, where it has stopped before, shall we say, not major resistance, but pretty good size resistance. So it'll be interesting to see if the dollar starts to starts to dip. Uh, I would say look to gold. All right. Because, uh, you know, gold might be, uh, you know, gold's more of a currency hedge than it is anything. So and Mr. Copper turned back up and it's right at uh, some resistance. So if it breaks through, uh, you know, Mr. Copper is a is a definite 
you know, they call it Mr. Copper, Dr. Copper, because it flows through the economy. Uh, oil looks great, too, by the way. In the meantime, let's take a break. We'll be right back with a bullish percent. This is the Smart Investor Show. If you have a question, 216-901-0945. Stay tuned. Okay, we're back. Just tuned in. This is the Smart Investor Show. I'm Tim Haynes. You know, uh, this week, the Bank of Canada announced the ending of its quantitative easing program, and they plan on raising rates earlier next year than expected in a very hawkish surprise. Uh, the Bank of Canada cited economic recovery proceeding faster than expected, and inflation is the main reason behind the announcement. Uh, with this announcement, I think all eyes will be focused on other central banks, most of all, the Federal Reserve. The past few FMOC announcements have shifted positive from a transitory mindset to viewing inflation as a more longstanding higher than uh, initially expected. I think, therefore, we may see similar messages being sent by the Fed. You never know. But uh, right now, the 10-year break-even inflation rate is at the highest level since 2006. Uh, so in- investors are expecting inflation right now. Not later, right now. So the Bank of Canada's hawkish stance has affected some of the currency uh, markets, by the way, as the Canadian dollar cross rate uh, reentered a, prof- a positive trend this week. I haven't seen that in a pretty long time. So, uh, uh, you know, it's been about a year, two years. All right. Uh, so there we go. Um, I also uh, thought that uh, we saw the, the launch last week of the ProShares Bitcoin strategy, and that's the first futures-based EP, uh, Bitcoin ETF. Now, you may recall, <laughs> and I'm just drifting back to when oil did this uh, back in 2008, 2007. And, uh, Oil peaked right after that, then made one more rally, uh, uh, you know, through the end of, I think it was 2011, and then died for a pretty long time. So I don't know, but, uh, you know, Bitcoin did go down after that. Uh, so we'll see. Uh, and the, the, bit, the, the actual ETF went up and came straight back down. So uh, if we, what we do is we do a, a we look at the portfolio and say, okay, how did it work in the in the prior years, you know, and that type of thing. So anyway, so I I got a uh, a email five seconds ago from Andy. Andy said, Tim, how do I set up an appointment with you? <laughs> you know, look, just call. Uh, the the number is all over my uh, web page. It's two one six seven seven four eight nine zero six. All right, and uh, you know, I talk to everybody. Uh, be glad to talk to you, Andy. And, you know, sometimes I think, you know, people want to talk about the market, 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 but I think the best thing to start talking about is a wealth plan. Start thinking about the long, long term and, you know, what's going to happen, what, you know, what could happen. What I like about our wealth plan is it does what ifs, you know, if 2008 happened again, how would my retirement look? <laughs> By the way, in 2007, at the end of 2007, we said cash would outperform the stock market on this show, and we set it for four months. We were right, by the way. Uh, and, and by the way, it wasn't just me. It was a group effort, all right? So uh, 
look, a lot of people ask me about the crypto indexes. I, I, I don't do crypto. I'm not allowed. Uh, I, you know, they just don't let us. And so, uh, I'd rather not comment about it. And I, you know, whether it's oversold or overbought, that's up for you guys to do your own homework. But we do talk about the bullish percent. And, uh, you know, the bullish percent is, was designed to be a uh, risk management system. Okay. So it was designed by some point and figure chart guys, X's and O's. And when the bullish percent in a column of X's, where it is right now, okay, uh, it's at 58 right now in a column of X's. It's a it's a positive trend, all right. Um, and when it goes into a column of O's, that's distribution. Trust me, distribution happens a lot faster than accumulation. So it goes from zero to 100. When you get over 70, that's the red zone. That's when everybody's talking about the stock market, and that's usually when you want to be careful, okay. And then we get below 30, and that's the green zone. That's when nobody wants to talk about the stock market. Nobody even wants to hear about the stock market. They don't open their 401k statements, etc. That's when you want to be bullish. So we have an interesting thing here. We have the the bullish percent at at actually it's at you know, it's a three percent this week, uh, but we still have the over the counter and the world indexes in a column of O's. Now, uh, the over the counter index was very close to turning up, and unfortunately, I, uh, Dorsey Wright's uh, site is down for the time being, so I can't. I think it it turned up. On Friday, I'm not sure. I, I I'm not saying 100. percent We'll turn up at 46. It's at 45 and a half. The over-the-counter, uh, I mean, the world index wouldn't turn up till 50, and it's only at 46.8 percent. So it's got a ways. So it, it's a very bifurcated market. But I think with the indications I'm seeing, right, uh, the the small cap index could be the place to be for the next six months, whatever. You know. It, um, Somebody asked me, uh, well, one of the things that we look at is the mid-cap to large-cap index and, and how uh, momentum is doing and, and the top and bottom qu uh, quintile performance spread. And I noticed that broke out this week. And that's a very important, I think. Um, it, you know, it, it talks about, uh, it displays the historical performance of dispersion of the Dow 40 groups going back to 1998. And it's it's very important, and and I, the fact that it's turning up is a good thing. So I'm starting to see some very positive things out there, uh, you know. And we're, we're still not at the average dispersion, um, you know, through 2020. So we still we could go higher, you know. Uh, and that's that's I think very very important. Uh, I think some of the momentum of portfolios out there, uh, you know, there's a lot of ETFs that are based on momentum. Have all broken out. I saw one that broke up. Uh, you know, it's just a beautiful uh, quintuple or no quadruple top. All right, and it's uh, it's a beautiful one, and it's it's one that probably we want to own a little bit of. And then I looked at the dynamic asset level investing and financials now have leaked over technology. So consumer cyclicals are still number one. Uh, financials are number two. Technology is number three. Then industrials and real estate. Remember, real estate was dead last in March. It's now number five. And it picked up, uh, it and energy picked up like five or six votes this week. So that's kind of interesting. What's very interesting is consumer non-cyclicals, that's, you know, uh, utilities and healthcare are dead last, you know? Uh, and so healthcare is one that really 
boggles my mind because, like I said, the biotechs on a rolling five-year period are now underperforming the market by a, a good deal. All right, and if you look at uh, uh, standard deviations, the biotech and small cap healthcare index is at the you know near near the third uh, deviation, and you know that's the same thing with dividend growth stocks. You know they're at two and a half, so kind of in- interesting. So I guess if I'm looking at my portfolio, I'd, I'd overweight consumer cyclicals, technology, and financials, uh, and then I'd equal weight uh, industrials, real estate, and communication services, and I'd underweight the rest, obviously. Now, internationally, um, you know, we looked at a few things and a and, uh, couple things uh, that I thought was very interesting. Uh, you know, there's been a deterioration uh, that can be tied back to declining strength of uh, Latin America, all right? Uh, and, you know, if we look this week, Latin America gave a sell signal versus the money market. That's usually not a good sign. Okay, so for for all of you people that are in Latin America, you know the money market is probably going to outperform Latin America for a while. That the money market is not yielding too much, <laughs> like point zero zero five percent. So that's a hint. All right, uh, I think you want to be especially careful if you have Latin American stocks. Uh, I did notice that Latin America uh, broke down to 146 on fund scores uh, from the Dorsey Wright system. By the way, our friends at Dorsey Wright do provide us with a bullish percent and a a lot of what we talk about in this segment of the show. They're great folks out of Virginia. I think NASDAQ owns them now. But the money market's at 1.73% and Latin America's at 1.4%. And fixed income, uh, the 10-year Treasury index printed six O's. And that's kind of interesting. You know, so... you're looking at uh, it fell to 1.525, which I, I said we'd probably bounce around there for a while. The 30-year index fell to a sell signal when it broke uh, a double bottom at two percent, and it continued lower to 1.95 percent this week. So the longer-term yields have fallen; shorter-term yields have experienced smaller declines, or in some cases, risen. The the five-year fell to 1.15 percent. Uh, the one-year rose. That's what we call a flattening yield curve, folks. So the the short-term interest rates are not giving up as much as the longer-term interest rates, and that usually indicates a slowing economy, okay? Uh, now, th- that is in total disarray uh, or it totally un... Well, let's just say if you're talking about inflation... Interest rates should the yield curve shouldn't be flattening, all right. Uh, and they're talking about inflation a lot. So uh, the the ten year break even uh, rate, you know, the Fred what is what they call the Fred, uh, is is interesting because the break even rate on bonds is you know getting up there. So um, it it's an interesting scenario. Uh, let's just put it that way. Still, convertible bonds, inflation protection bonds, and floating rate bonds are the top three. You know, uh, in order uh, of the bonds that I would be buying if I were a bond buyer. Okay, um, and I, believe me, I used to be one of the bigger bond buyers in the city of Cleveland for a long, long time. Got a lot of municipal bonds, a lot of corporate bonds. But crude oil has been positive for seven weeks now, so I think it's probably going to take a, a breather. Uh, gold has been positive for two weeks, and we did break, we did hit eighteen hundred on the price charts, which puts another X on it, which means we broke the downtrend line, which is very positive. Uh, Copper has been positive for three weeks and looks like if it broke out to a new high, it would be off to the races. 
Corn's been in a negative trend, but uh, it's 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 holding its own because it's had positive momentum. Uh, so gold broke a double top at eighteen hundred. I think it was last Friday, uh, and that completes what is known as a bullish catapult uh, pattern uh, from our you know in the point and figure. Uh, but what's really interesting, if you look at the gold to silver ratio, it's taking less and less uh, silver to buy more gold. So gold, so silver is also a name that has uh, a group that you have to pay attention to because uh, it seems to be moving up. And if you look, uh, you know, there's near-term strength in silver and it's overcoming the near-term strength in gold. So uh, both of those both of those may be a place to be, if you know what I mean. It's, it's one of those things that you have to pay very close attention to. Uh, you know, gold did break out and then it's gone sideways, which happens. You know, if it breaks, I, I think it's 2030, uh, we could be off to the races. It'd be a new high. Hey, let's take a break, and we'll be right back with Insiders. Stay tuned. This is Smart Investor Show. If you have a question, 216-901-0945. 216-901-0945. Stay tuned. Okay, we're back. Uh, you know, uh, <laughs> Andy and I are having a little conversation back and forth during the breaks. Uh, he's been listening to the show for a pretty long time, and uh, he gave me a good good track record. Which, thank you, Andrew. I appreciate that. Andrew is also our technician, by the way. Uh, and I think I called him Andy. He likes to go by Andrew. So uh, anyway, just to correct that. So now we talk about insiders. So what we've done is we've talked strategy. We've talked economics. We've talked different sectors. We've talked about small caps. We've talked about the bullish percent. Okay. So now our risk monitor says we're allowed to be in the market. Now, will the small caps follow through? And I think if they do, it'll be a big move. I mean, a big move. And, uh, you know, look, I, I was looking at a few things and, you know, I talk about this pincer, this uh, 11 month consolidation. And, and usually after you have, you know, you, you get a, a move and then a pullback on light volume, the next move up is big. So we'll see if that's going to be the case. But uh, I've been seeing the insider buying pick up, you know, it kind of died there in September and now it's starting to pick up. And, and here's something interesting. Uh, technology crossover management, which is a pretty big uh, hitter, you know, uh, but a couple big pieces uh, of GitLabs, which was a new issue last week. Uh, I mean, you know, we did part of the deal, but, uh, <laughs> it was, you know, I think it opened at 95 and, and closed at like 110, something like that. I think they they paid 77 for it, so they bought it on the new issue. And then they also bought Coast, which is another software product that uh, is, is good out there. Unfortunately, you know, it doubled on uh, – well, no. Uh, it actually was up 25 bucks on the open and now it's only up 10 bucks on the open, but they paid 40 for it. So they got an initial public offering, but they did buy $25 million of each, which is not chump change. Right. And then uh, also infusion, which is another software company, which didn't do as well. Roy Liu, uh, who's a director and a very smart guy, bought 21 and a half million dollars worth of the stock. Uh, I would suggest that that is really interesting. And also, uh, Exilo Therapeutics. Um, Jim Flynn. You don't know who he is. You probably should. He's a, he's, he's a possible member of a 10% group, but he bought $12.4 million of the product. 
uh, which is real interesting. And then another Ben Ventix uh, Biosciences. So these guys are buying on the new uh, they're buying all the new issues. And this is uh, Comerant Asset Management, which uh, is pretty smart money. They bought ten million, and also a director. Aaron Royston, who uh, I've read about a little bit. I don't know him that well, but he bought $5 million worth. Uh, we also had uh, Eris Water Solutions, which came public and, and popped right away to like 16 and pulled back. At 13, uh, uh, Don Tempen, who's a director, bought a uh, $1 million worth, which is always uh, not some change. And then, you know, last week we talked about Texas uh, Capital Bank shares and Bob Stallings buying some. Well, he bought another... 1.1. He bought like two and a half million last week, and he bought another 1.1 million. And then a couple of his cohorts, uh, Larry Helm was a director. He bought 300,000. Uh, Bob bought another 5,000 shares, uh, which is 292,000. So, and, and then Julianne Anderson is the chief financial officer, and she's supposed to be pretty good, from what I understand. She bought 240,000. So, oh, and I forgot to mention that Brenda Schroeder, who's the chief financial officer of Eris Water Solutions. Uh, she bought $200,000 also. So a lot of people buying those. Now, kind of the star of the show this week, after getting pounded on earnings, was Intel. Uh, you know, we had uh, Jim Goats, who's a very smart guy, buy 20,000 shares or a million dollars worth. Uh, Pat Gelsinger, which is, uh, he's the CEO now, uh, he bought 10,000 shares. Uh, Frank Geary bought 10,000 shares. And by the way, they paid about 50 bucks for it. None of these guys need to buy the stock in the open market. <laughs> Believe me, they got uh, uh, <laughs> options up the wazoo, right? And 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 then uh, Dion Wessler, uh, who's also a uh, an insider, uh, he's a director. He, he bought uh, a, a couple of things of five thousand shares of two and a half a million dollars, and then uh, uh, Risa uh, Moray, she bought five thousand to the tune of about two hundred fifty. So. Had a lot of people buy in uh, in Intel this week. So um, now we did have a couple names that I thought was really interesting. And this is the Next Point Strategic Opportunities Fund. We mentioned it last week. Uh, we had a couple buyers. Now we have uh, three new buyers, all to the tune of about three hundred thousand dollars worth. Uh, so uh, they bought some, and then we had a, a buyer of three hundred thousand dollars worth. So I don't know what's going on there, but uh, you know. Um, Smart people buying, and that's what you want to pay uh, very close attention to. So, this is what I want you to take away today. Okay, first of all, if I look at the dividend growth portfolio or the prime income list, because there's quite a few dividend growth stocks that are just floundering around right now. You know, uh, have lost their way for a while. You know, Intel raises this dividend a lot, and it's kind of floundering. They they had some problems in management. I think they solved them. I just think they just need to get up and go. Uh, you know, maybe now is not the time to buy them, but it, it's a great dividend play, right? <laughs> um, but you're seeing the dividend aristocrats versus the S&P 500. You know, they they normally are at about or above the same P.E. evaluation as the S&P 500. They are now 2.3 standard deviations below. Now, that, if you know anything about statistics, that's a whole lot. <laughs> that is a whole lot. And, uh, you know, I don't know why, but, uh, uh, you know, I, I think maybe what occurred is during the Obama administration, the dividend stocks, the REITs, utilities are what led the way because there was really no growth. 
And now we've had growth for a couple of years. And the question is, will it continue if the Fed raises rates? Uh, that's what people will be going to the dividend. Remember, dividends are 40 percent of the total return of the stock market for the last 100 years. Uh, that's that's the first thing I want you to talk about. The second thing I want to talk about is the small caps. You know, it's my I, look, I've been charting a long time and I love this chart. Uh, and I'm talking about the IWM and I'll, or just the Russell 2000, whatever. It looks like a great chart. And, and uh, it was pointed out to me by a very smart technician who from New York City, who's a friend of mine, though, you know, he talked about this pincer uh, scenario. And then, uh, you know, on Friday, we talked about this on Wednesday, I think. And then on Friday, uh, Tom Lee put it in his report. And I thought, wow, you know, great minds think alike, first of all. Second of all, I think it's something to pay close attention to. And the other thing, I guess, is that, you know, we, we on a weekly basis, most of the indexes are still oversold. Um, on a daily basis, they're kind of overbought. So what we'll have is kind of a pullback period. It'll get everybody bearish again. You know, people are getting bullish as the market goes up 900 points. What a great call, right? Uh, now, the one thing I did notice last week is we talked about the volume on the inverse uh, ETFs, meaning that you know you're betting that the market's going to go down. You know, it got up to 1.752 percent of the S&P 500 just two weeks ago. All right, it's it now was less than a half a percent. So, you know, maybe when they're supposed to be getting bearish, you know, that you get a pullback, they're not. So you got to be watch those those inverse ETFs in that they reset their downside every day. You know, they reset the futures contract every day. So you got to be careful because you can lose a lot of money sitting doing nothing, right? All right. So uh, those, you know, those two things I think are very, very important. Uh, but once again, I also think the 10-year yield has stopped where there's been quite a bit of resistance. Um, so we got the 10-year yield backing off. We got the 30-year yield breaking 2%. And we get the five-year yield not going down very much, and and the one-year actually going up. So that's a flattening of the yield curve, and that doesn't make sense if all this wonderful stuff's going to happen. Okay, so people, I guess, uh, may be thinking that uh, the Democrats don't have enough votes to get what they need done. Uh, that there may not be any policy change at all. Who knows? Um, you know, but they're they're talking about a. Uh, a minimum corporate rate of 15%, you know, how is that going to hurt the big names? Because, you know, they they do a lot of accounting and they do a lot of work. It'd be interesting to see uh, what happens there. But, uh, you know, the dividend, dividend uh, I mean, the Democrats call it revenue. I call it taxation. <laughs> and I'm not sure uh, which is worse. But um, so, you know, look, we talked about oil. Oil has now broken above uh, resistance. And we'll probably pull back. Okay. Uh, but I think you use the pullback. You know, uh, people are very negative on oil. Everybody wants one foot out the door. So we'll see what happens. In the meantime, you know, if you go to my webpage, so if you go to WHK1420, go to local podcast down to, uh, you know, Smart Investor Show, Tim Hayes, it goes right to my webpage. All right. And if you uh, look up at insights, there's a lot of good information on that page and it's constantly changing. So you're seeing our research as it hits. That's smart, you know, smart investing. If you're not with us 
and you want to listen to what RBC says because they're making some smart calls, that's the place to go. Also, uh, under bulletin board is Rob Schleimer's stuff. It's trend and cycle, uh, and it's good stuff. We also have a newsletter there that kind of sums up the market every week. But if you want to get some of the material that we get uh, or we, we offer, hit the contact me or email me. There's the prime income list, the dividend growth list. I think, you know, you want to buy things when they're out of favor, and dividends allow you to hold on to them for a while. You're getting paid while you wait, all right? That's a good thing, all right? And the ADR list, we talked about the EFA breaking out a little bit today. The small caps, oh, that'd be a great place to go. Oil, nobody likes oil. <laughs> that's why I love it. Uh, you know, when nobody likes it, that's when you want to buy it. And nobody liked it in January. It was funny. About 30% of my clients bought it, all right? Uh, for for you young professionals, we have money matters uh, matters for young professionals. We have women's uh, and wealth. A great planning guide. I, I uh, just handed it out to a couple some ladies uh, just recently, and also the Savvy Investors Credit Workbook. The corporations are putting out debt left and right. Why? Because they can. Because it's for you know if you can do it at three four percent, and you can make seven, it's a layup. All right. You could probably do it. You you know you want you want to buy income property. You know now's the time to do it. Okay. Also, to, to, if you're selling a business, private equity is trying to beat you into submission. <laughs> all right, we can help. All right, we have a business owner's guide to transition planning. You want to sell the business? We got some people you should talk to. Uh, in the meantime, have a great weekend. Uh, I'm going to Buick uh, Zoo uh, this afternoon with my my kids. Remember, this is a Smart Investor Show. Have a great weekend. Buy low, sell high. Thanks for listening to the Smart Investor Hour. To reach Tim during the week, call him toll-free, 888-223-7742. That's 888-223-7742. Or visit his website, rbcwmfa.com slash Tim Hayes. That's all one word in the address bar, rbcwfma.com slash Tim Hayes. Please join us again next Saturday for the Smart Investor Hour to hear more smart investing from Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.